1: www.smallbusinessdigest.net We have a very interesting show tonight. It's going to be one of those nights where we talk about a lot of different subjects. I'm really happy tonight to have Jay Jennings with us. Jay is Head is Head of Insight Benefits, and he's here to talk about ways small businesses can save on their health care insurance costs. I might add that uh, uh, two studies that I've seen in the past two days indicate that the uh, rates for uh, on health care insurance will go up in 2015, no matter what happens. But I'll leave that to the real expert, Jay, welcome to the program. Thank you, Don. Jay, we start off every guest by asking them a little bit about, to tell them a little bit about themselves personally before we get into anything else.
2: Very good. Well, um, I live in Bloomington, Illinois. I'm married. got five kids, and uh, I'm a CPA by, by training, and, um, if uh being a wrestling coach would pay me enough I'd I'd probably do that. That's kind of my hobby, is uh working with my sons in wrestling and uh watching my, my daughters and every other sport that they do, volleyball and soccer and everything else. So besides work and chase kids, that's about all I do.
1: Well, uh raising five kids is a full time job. Um, <laughs> and I, I envy you for it. <laughs> yep. But now Now, Jay, you're here because uh, you and I had such an interesting conversation a few days ago that I uh, was hoping you'd come by and talk about uh, uh, Obamacare or the ACA Act and what's happening and how small businesses can uh, prepare themselves this year and uh, find ways of reducing their health care benefits costs. So with that, I'm going to turn to... Uh, the microphone over to you.
2: Very good. <clears throat> well, I think I think some of the biggest there's a lot of misconceptions out there um, about the marketplaces and the health exchanges, which are synonymous. I mean, they mean the same thing there. And everybody's looking at the the government exchange, you know, healthcare.gov. And what they don't realize is that there are private industry exchanges that can do everything healthcare.gov can do. But obviously much much better you know my analogy is always you know you have the post office (coughs) which delivers packages but then FedEx and UPS obviously do a a very good business there's a a real good reason why Uh, they obviously provide better customer service better pricing more options you know when you're when you're driven by capitalism and not government funded there's a very different incentive, as we all know as business owners, you know, you get real serious about how to get customers, how to keep them happy, and how to earn profit. And so where, where small businesses are, are probably missing out, because I don't see this on TV shows and the news, is that they can access private exchanges for their employees, and they're really a pretty good deal. I mean, there's some options there.
1: Well, that's a start. Um, but but you you indicated to me that for instance you have one and we're going to talk about that. But um, uh, there are strategies small businesses can use to uh, not only uh, uh, reduce costs but actually provide, uh, in many cases, better uh, health insurance for their employees. Could you elaborate?
2: Absolutely. <clears throat> Basically what's going on in the industry, because you're seeing, you know, one of the biggest, I think, concepts that people don't understand what's happening is, is that now all the insurance for individuals in the United States and, and small businesses under 50 as of January 1, they are, there is no medical underwriting. And we use these terms, medical underwriting, and I think most people don't even know what that means. It means they don't ask you any health questions. It doesn't mean if you're, it means if you're dying of cancer – you can go get a, a policy today, and they're not going to ask you any of that. They're going to say, what's your date of birth and what's your zip code, and this is your price. And you could be a marathon runner or you could be dying of cancer, and your price for premium is the same for individual policies and in groups under 50. There's no medical underwriting. And so there's, for a lot of reasons, that's going to drive up the cost of what we call fully insured um, policies and group health policies and, and plans, uh, which means a fully insured plan is one where you just pay premium to Blue Cross Blue Shield or Aetna, Cigna, or Humana and they give you a policy. Those prices are going to skyrocket. So what's happening is, is that everybody's going to some kind of self-insured model of some sort. You know, if you're 50 and over, you've got a lot more options, 50 employees and over, then you're going to go Totally self-insured in some way, shape, or form. You're either going to be self-insured on your own, or you're going to be in some kind of a captive insurance model where you can kind of share risk with other small employers and reduce your cost substantially. Now you can control your costs just like you would in every other aspect of your business. You know, um, somebody goes to the doctor and there's a hundred thousand dollar claim from a hospital, and you're self-insured. Guess what? You can fight that and these, these self-insured and captive models, that's all built in. They don't just pay the $100,000 claim like Blue Cross or these bigger carriers will. They'll go in there and say, wait a minute, that should be $10,000, not $100,000. And when they do that on these self-insured models, then that reduced that claim from a hundred to $10,000. That's a big difference, and those differences are that big. And see, those, those big claims are not getting caught by the big insurers, they're going ahead and paying those claims and then they're turning around and just raising your premiums. And so pretty much everybody 50 and over is going to go self-insured or a self-insured model and there's two or three different ways you can do that. You can either be partially self-insured, totally self-insured or, or go to a captive model, captive insurance model where you kind of share risk with other small employers. And that's going to substantially reduce your costs. Very, very few small employers today are, are going to go to um, fully insured products. The prices are just going to get way too high with this whole guaranteed issue, no pre-existing condition uh, law hustlers now come into play. 50 and under, they're all going to drop their plans eventually, and they're going to send all their employees to the exchanges because they're actually hurting their employees if they don't. Um, if a small employer today offers a affordable plan to their employee, that employee now is no longer eligible for a tax credit or a subsidy. And so what small employers don't realize yet, and they will, it will take a year, and a half, year, year and a half or so, <clears throat> but the affordability test is determined on the employee-only portion of the premium, but the tax credit is built on the... Family. The total premium you would pay, and so you may have you may pay half of an employee only premium, which is say two hundred dollars a month. You know, say the employee only total premiums four hundred. You as the employer pay half of that, which is two hundred. But that employee says, hey, I need family coverage, and they're going to pay a thousand. You know, now you're paying two hundred, they're paying eight hundred, and they don't qualify for a tax credit because you offered them affordable coverage by paying half of that. Well, if you just gave them $200 in their paycheck and let them go to the exchange, they'd probably get $800 a month in tax credits from the government and only cost them $200 a month. I mean, you're actually hurting your employees today if you're offering them a group plan for 50 and under. And the 50 and under criteria is because if you're 50 and under, you don't have a penalty for not offering them coverage. So you cannot offer them coverage. Not even be penalized. Put the two hundred dollars you were paying as a premium anyway, and just put in their paycheck, and now they're better off because they can take that two hundred dollars and go buy something on the marketplace or the exchanges, and get six another six hundred dollars in tax credits per month. So they're you're saving that employee thousands of dollars, and you're out of the employee benefit business as a small employer. So it's kind of a win-win by for the fifty and unders by you know, going to the marketplaces and the exchanges. But no small employer wants to dump their employees on the healthcare.gov because it's a disaster. You know, it's like sending them to the the Department of Motor Vehicles of of insurance. I mean, it's just a bad customer service experience. And so that's why these private exchanges are available. And we have uh, clients that are actually setting up their own private exchanges, private labeling them, and then they're letting their employees go online and, and get all the... The products and prices that are available, plus more, on the private exchange, with all the private industry customer service around it, versus government service
1: around it. So, so those are the. the, Go ahead. If I understand, but if I and I understand it, um, the private exchanges like yours have more uh, options than does the government site.
2: Absolutely four big differences between a private exchange and healthcare.gov. The first one is, is that healthcare.gov is a bad uh, user experience in that you have to go on there and set up an account before you see products and prices. And there's a lot of glitches. People get lost, get caught up in it. Private exchanges, you don't have to set up an account. You can put in your, your date of birth and you know a phone number, email address, and you can even put test, test. You don't even have to put your real name. And you can see all the products and prices in less than two minutes, and so it's a better user experience in that respect. Second big difference is, is that there are lots of insurance companies in the United States that are not participating on the federal and state exchanges. Just be- you go to healthcare.com, you're only going to see the products and prices that are being offered on the exchanges, and there are a lot of products being offered off the exchanges. And so you get both options at a private exchange, you get on and off. Third thing is you're going to get all the other products that the employees are looking for. Right now, small employers, you offer a group plan. Typically, you're saying, hey, I've got dental, vision, disability, other things, that if you want to buy that on a voluntary basis, you can do that too. So on those private exchanges, you can do the same thing. Hey, go on here, get your health insurance. And then go get your dental, vision, disability life, whatever else you need for you and your family uh, as well. HealthCare.gov is strictly health, and it's only on on Exchange Health. So it's only companies that offer products on the Exchange. So you've got more health options. you got more non-health options. And the fourth big difference is, is obviously the customer service. You're going to get professional insurance analysts, because it's private industry, that are going to be offering um, uh, expert, expert advice and knowledge to the employees versus a government employee that's maybe been trained for two weeks and has no incentive to really help this person. You know, an example is this. You know, there are some other options besides go buy a policy on the exchange. You know, Some employees would be better off buying catastrophic coverage, which don't qualify as buying insurance, so they'd still pay the penalty, but guess what? The penalty is $95 or 1% of your income. So for a person making $20,000 a year, that might be 200 bucks for the year as a penalty. Well, the difference in premium online, you know, for a bronze plan might be $400 a month and a catastrophic policy might be $100 a month. So you've got an employee that simply can't afford that online coverage, you know, that's mandated by the government. They might be way better off just saying, look, I'm just going to buy the catastrophic, pay hundred dollars a month, you know, buy an accident policy in case something happens because I'm pretty healthy anyway, and then I'll just pay the ninety-five dollar penalty or two hundred dollar penalty. Well, a government employee is not going to tell you that at healthcare.gov, but a private industry person is. So those are the kind of differences you're going to get between private exchange and, and public exchange. Well, let
1: me uh, let me go back a moment because uh, you you mentioned catastrophic insurance but does that qualify as an insurance under the
2: uh, ACA? It doesn't. You would pay the penalty still, which for 2014 is going to be $95 or 1% of your your income. So for a lot of people, you know, if you're going to buy the ACA compliant coverage, it might cost you 3 or 400 dollars a month. But if you buy so but if you didn't buy coverage at all, your penalty, let's say you make $30,000 a year, your, your penalty will be $300 for the year, not $300 a month for the coverage. So you could still get better coverage by buying a catastrophic policy at $100 a month, buy an accident policy so that you actually have better coverage in case of an accident because you're a pretty healthy person, and then pay your penalty. You know, paying the penalty isn't the worst thing it's actually cheaper than buying that ACA-mandated coverage. But, again, government is not going to tell you that, and you're not going to have that option. You get a private industry analyst on the phone, they're going to say, hey, wait, you're 25 years old. You're healthy. You don't need this $400-a-month policy. You can pay the penalty. You know, you make $40,000, $30,000 a year, pay your three or 400 bucks penalty, buy your cash driven policy, buy your accident policy. You got better coverage the catastrophic policies are actually lower deductibles and cheaper and they're medically underwritten and so they're a great option Then nobody's saying so you can actually get protection cheaper and just pay your penalty so there's some strategies out there for individuals they can get great coverage you know so employers that want to say hey go to the exchanges for those that are going to get tax credits they can get them you know get the help buying the premiums and for those that aren't going to get tax credits that don't want to pay those high premiums, pay your penalty and just go to the cash, catastrophic right. It's kind of like a high deductible HSA type option. That's what it is.
1: Well, uh, the other thing is that you don't factor in that most of the policies on the uh, exchanges have a $5,000 deductible. So you've got, if you do get sick or go to a doctor outside of uh, preventive care, you're still paying out of pocket, almost to the $5,000 limit of threshold before it kicks in. Am I right or wrong on that? You're
2: absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I had a case today, and uh, I saw one come across the desk, and it was a 55- uh, and a 56-year-old couple, uh, business owners, and they were in New Mexico. And Blue Cross, if you look at it in New Mexico, uh, on exchange and off exchange, there's very, very few carriers in New Mexico. I think there was two that we saw, Blue Cross was shielded in New Mexico and a company called Presbyterian. And the reality was is that these people were going to pay almost $13,000 a year and they had a $6,000 deductible for a, a 56-year-old couple. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. And so... Fortunately, you know, and, and, and here's the other thing, is that they had no idea. They, they're like, you know, I don't want to go to that government program because I don't think I'm going to get covered and have insurance. They don't believe in healthcare.gov, which I understand that. So that's why they came to our private exchange. And, of course, one of our analysts will walk them through. And so these people feel comfortable going to the private sector and, and our, our people walk them through the process. The reality is they're going to get about $10,000 in, in tax credits uh, because their income was so low as well, but they were small business owners, and uh, so it's going to work out well for them. We can get them some some better coverage, get them some uh, accident, get them some hospital indemnity type programs, so that they don't have to come with that six thousand dollars out of pocket if something in fact does happen.
1: Well, um, let's let's continue a little bit. Um, uh, the first figures out from H HH- Uh, Health and uh, Human Services indicates that young people are not buying the policy. That that a a significant portion of the policies are being bought by people 50 and over, uh, who couldn't um, uh, uh, either couldn't or were had high uh, um, uh, uh, premiums. Uh, But young people are simply uh, not buying it. As someone said to me yesterday. Young people they don't buy um, insurance because they think they're immortal, and uh, uh, they don't buy life insurance and they don't buy health insurance um, either because they don't they can't afford it or they can't or they uh, don't think about it. But um, for for the rest of us, as we uh, pass thirty and perhaps get children, etc., uh, it, it becomes a very um, uh important it's second only to a, uh buying a house and buying a car in terms of decisions in terms of uh, monetary decision uh, how do you, uh, how do we get people to understand that there are alternatives um, to uh, the ACA etc yeah they get That's it. You know, insurance has gotten such a dirty
2: word right now. You know, it's got such a bad name. And and ultimately, these people need to understand that it's nothing more than personal risk management. You're just protecting yourself financially. That's all it is. And, you know, they don't want to go naked without any insurance, but certainly they can manage that. You know, they just got to understand how to manage that that risk. Um, And and the young people, they're not going to buy this expensive stuff. You know, because the bronze plans are too loaded with too much stuff that nobody needs. It's it's ridiculous. You know,
1: Um,
2: you know that's why I think the young guys are all go with the catastrophic type policies. You know, high deductibles and building an accident policy. They're not even going to want a hospital indemnity. They're not worried about getting sick, but they are going to fall off their motorcycle or break their leg going down the ski slope. So, you know, they're much better having a five or ten thousand dollar deductible, and then get a five or ten thousand dollar accident policy. So if they did have an accident and they went in the hospital and their bills were more than five or ten thousand, the accident policy covers a hundred percent of that. Their out of pocket exposure is actually zero if they have an accident and and they're totally covered. And you know, that's that's what they're missing. That's what the whole healthcare reform is missing as well, is the personal responsibility too. Um, you know, that's a whole too long a conversation to have on here, but you know we've been dealing. We deal with health insurance all across the United States, and you know groups, uh, larger groups that we deal with, were getting really serious about helping their employees get healthier and healthier because that's how they were managing their costs. At the end of the day, the only way to have lower cost insurance used to be because they were all medically underwritten, was to have healthier employees, which was a good thing everybody was motivated to get on these wellness programs, which are all controversial whether they work or not, but at the end of the day that is the only way to reduce your cost. You've got to have healthier employees and they got to know you know what's what's going on with their health plan. And so, I mean every Fortune 500 company in the United States has had a, a wellness program, they got fitness centers, they got all that stuff and they have it for a reason. They're not stupid. They know but they have to help their employees be more health conscious, make better decisions, and to be healthier. Small employees got to do the same thing. I mean, if you're a small employer and you get a really sick person on your health plan it's a group health plan that's medically underwritten, that'll kill you. I mean, it's, I've, seen, I've seen groups go from standard rates to max rates because one guy comes on and he has Mad King's disease or something I've never even heard of before. And it max rates the whole group, and so small groups have to be so careful about what they're doing. You know, if they're 50 and over, you're still going to be medically underwritten. You just got to be very conscientious about that. It's a slippery slope because of all the ERISA, you know, issues, and you know, you can't ask health questions and things like that. But it's a big issue. So
1: the name of uh, uh, you have a, you have a private exchange that people can. Um, go to uh, right now, and uh, if I understand correctly, uh, at the end of it, they can even get an idea of uh, how much the government will subsidize based on their uh, income. Am I right?
2: We do. We do. We have one. It's uh, VIP. You know, like like very important person. VIP, healthmarketplace.com. And you know, that's our generic website that anybody and everybody can go to and access in the United States. Uh, it's available in all 50 states. And uh, they can get any any on-off exchange, health, and then everything else, <clears throat> you
1: know, we have. If, if you're well, uh, I, have to t- I have to tell you, okay. if, if, in the time since we talked, I've sent three people there, and uh, all of them agree Uh, They had been frustrated with the government uh, website and went to yours, and were very pleased with the results. So uh, that's why I I invited you on the program, because uh, uh, we we try to test out everything uh, before we bring anybody on, and uh, they were very impressed, and I was. So give this site again, please. It's VIP.
2: Very important person, VIPHealthMarketplace.com.
1: And if they want to talk to you or email you, how can they do it, Jay?
2: My email is JJENSEN at insightbenefits.com. That's I-N-S-I-G-H-T, benefits with an F, dot com.
1: Uh, Jay, I'm really glad you came on the program. I want you to come back in a couple of months as, the, as the things unfold, and we'll talk more about
2: it. Love to. I appreciate it, Don. Thank you for
1: so much. No, No, thank you for coming on board. Thank you. Our next guest should be on board right now. Special services, our next guest should be on board
3: uh, Steve from fanhub is on
1: uh, welcome welcome Steve to the program uh, uh, thank you so
3: very much glad to be here.
1: Well, we always start off the program by asking um, who um, a little bit about your personal life, so let's start there. <laughs>
3: Personal life. Um, well, I live in uh, Jupiter, Florida. Um, born here, raised here, been here my entire life. Um, I have a wife uh, and two young kids, uh, a two-year-old and a five-year-old, and they keep me really occupied. And uh, when I'm not with them, I'm usually at at the at the office, and um, uh, and on the weekends I'm. Usually, just trying to catch up on life and chores. Um, and um, let's see, I've been an entrepreneur since I was um, since I was 13. So, uh, um, and um, uh, what else would you want to know?
1: Well, uh, uh, well, we'll get into why you're here on the program, but I only okay. have to say interesting. In the last three, uh, our last three hours, we've had entrepreneurs who have started as young as thirteen. So mm. thirteen must be the magic number uh, okay. to start as an entrepreneur. Um, we have another one uh, coming on right after you. But so, uh, tell us a little bit about FanHub.
3: All right. So, well, FanHub, um, the story of FanHub. Um, uh, well, first of all, fanHub is a small business CRM um, that has a um, special focus on empowering uh, teams within an organization to to collaborate um, and uh, FanHub uh, started actually about five years back ago um, with uh, its parent. Uh, parent company, which is named BeQuick, quick uh, And b started in 2002. And um, uh, that's a company that I started along with my wife, uh, Christelle, and my brother-in-law, Sean, and his wife, uh, Gisela. So the four of us are partners in that that particular firm. And BeQuick quick makes... Um, Back office system and software for a specialty niche market within the wireless sector um, for resellers of AT&T, Verizon, Sprint, so forth. Uh, And these back office systems are uh, help uh, those those companies to tie in um, with the big four. Um, and um, for things like provisioning, rating, taxation, CRM, trouble, ticketing, IVR, it does everything for them. Um, and so one of the ways that we've ma- managed to survive in that market is to give a really high level of service to each of our customers. Uh, we've had an extremely high uh, customer retention rate uh, throughout our uh, now going on twelve years, and um, one of the ways that we did that is we chose back in two thousand and nine that what we were going to do is um, is create our own system to use to to manage our customers and our support and our sales cycle and We had looked at other systems out there. We had used things like Salesforce. Um, we had used various um, trouble ticketing systems and support tracking systems, and and much like how on the telecom side we had provided for our customers one single back office system that did everything for them, we wanted the same for our ourselves to enable us to better serve our our uh, our customers, and so. What we found was is that there's there's a real gap when it comes to um, cloud-based services that are aimed at small uh, small companies like ours. And um, in particular, one of the ways that we give a high level of service to our customers is that everything we do, just about, is a team effort uh, from signing up the customer to the uh, Onboarding process to providing support, so everything is a very collaborative effort. And so, when we started work on FanHub in 2009, uh, that's 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 the root of what we were trying to do. And as we were constructing it, we uh, we had the thought, well, we can't be the only ones that has that um, that has the same need. So we constructed oh. FanHub in such a way where it could be potentially used by uh, by others. Um, so we've been working on it and tweaking it as we go during the past five years. And um, the result is uh, we uh, this past fall we launched uh, FanHub uh, for other why, what, companies to you, sign up for.
1: Why do you call it FanHub?
3: FanHub. That's a good question. Um, well, one of the ways that we've grown our business throughout the years, well, not just one of the ways, I would say really the way, is by referral. And that is, you know, and the way that you do that, of course, is that you have to really treat your customers right. And um, you've got to treat every one of them, you know, w- whether they're big or they're small, you have to treat them like gold. So in essence, what you're trying to do... Is build a fan base. You're trying to 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 turn your customers into fans, um, and that's the the essence of of every good sales and support uh, system. Is hopefully you're going to turn your customers into fans, and in turn they're going to go out and and speak good things about you, and. Um, uh, so that's why we chose the name FanHub because we kind of think of a better way to to describe the overall goal of you know that we were trying to do. So um, that's where FanHub
1: came from. Um, uh, if you don't mind, Steve, hanging on, I've got two other people uh, for this show. Actually, three, but uh, I'm going to bring two other people and we'll kind of make it a little bit more interactive. Okay.
3: Sure, absolutely.
1: All right. I, I've now unmuted the... There should be two more people on board.
4: Yep, there's Malik Pearson from Broadway Professional Services.
1: I'm sorry, you say that again. And you got to speak louder.
4: Okay. Malik Pearson from Broadway Professional Services.
1: Welcome to the show. Thank and we you. have someone else on the line as well. Don't don't we? I, I show three people on this uh, call. Well, we uh, then I'll just bring on the, the our last person. Welcome. Can you to hear you me? Well. Nat, Hi. Nat, can you hear? Introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Tukan. I'm the CEO of LeadSift. Well, welcome to the program. Uh, Thank you very much. I invite people on who I think have interesting uh, uh, products, services, or uh, companies, and you have it. So we're going to go back uh, to our uh, second guest. Alan, tell us a little bit. We always ask our guests, tell
4: a little bit about ourselves personally before we get into anything else. Okay. So my name is Malik Pearson. I'm co-founder of Broadway Professional Services, Inc. We are an accounting, bookkeeping, and tax preparation company. We have an office in Manhattan, and we just opened a satellite office in the Bronx.
1: In a laundromat.
4: Yes, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's in a laundromat. Uh, a little bit uh, something about me. I, am, I live in New York now. I grew up in Anchorage, Alaska. I spent 10 years in Seattle, and I've been in New York for 14 years now. Uh, I'm a real estate attorney by trade, and I uh, co-own Broadway Professional Services, Inc., uh, neither myself nor my partner are actually accountants or tax preparers. Um, so, but we manage the business, and we have a managing director who is an accountant.
1: Well, let me say uh, first, uh, my father owned a laundromat for over 25 years, and he uh, always had some something going. But when I heard that you put an accounting. Uh, um, service inside a laundromat, I had to have you on the program. Uh, <laughs> we appreciate um, it. <laughs> well, we've been, we've, but before we uh, talk about yours, Tuka Das, and did I pronounce it correctly? Yes, you did. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, sure. Uh,
0: My name is Tukan. Um I am the CEO and co-founder of LeadSift. Uh, we are a platform to identify leads from social media. Um, I'm, uh, I'm originally from India, came to Canada eleven years ago. Now um, we are based out of Halifax, Nova Scotia, where there is a crazy snowstorm going on. It's miserable outside, and uh, so we are we we are a startup. We have been 14 months in business, and uh, yeah, that's 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 pretty much it.
1: Well, let's review the review the bidding a little bit and explain. Um, sometimes uh, I try to make this program a little interactive. So we have on board um, the head of a company that that helps a small businesses manage their companies better. Uh, called FanHub. We have on. Mm-hmm. Um, the head of uh, lead sift which I found fascinating because what you do if I understand correctly is um, uh, identify leads through sifting through a social network uh, posting That's correct. Yep. and then finally we have a, a man who has put a very creative um, twist on uh, a place where people have to go uh, in many places, many uh, uh, where to do their clothes, and while they do wash and dry their clothes, they can get their tax return. Am I right on that?
4: You're right on that. You know, every every taxpayer, uh, taxes are are uh, you know very very individual, so not all of them can be done in the space of doing their laundry, but. Uh, for all of them, we could at least get a good start if they bring all the, the requested documents with them.
1: But it's sure a great, a great time saver. So, um, uh, having said that, I'm going to go back to Tuka and ask him yep. to say, uh, "Am I pronouncing right?" Yep, you're pronouncing perfectly. Okay, uh, tell us. Um, uh, you know, many small businesses look for leads. And look for ways of doing it, and you've come up with what I think um, is a very clever way. Uh, tell us uh, how your, how you're uh, offering will benefit a small business Absolutely.
0: So businesses everywhere of all sizes, no matter where they are or how small or big they are, they're always looking to drive new customers right And small businesses are, are no different. So for them, it's absolutely imperative to, to get in front of new customers, engage with them and drive business. So our platform, what it does is it monitors publicly available social network data and, and identify people who are in, in the buying mindset. So for example, let's say you are a small local shop that sells wine. Uh, what you can do is you can look for people who are in your community looking to buy wine. Or if you are a sandwich shop, you can find people in your area looking for lunch ideas. And once you find them, you can engage with them via the public social networks one on one and tell them about their your offering and ask them and build a relationship with them first of all. And and what, what that would result in most of the times is is them actually Checking you, checking you, your business out and dropping by. So, And it's businesses of, of all kinds. We have over 220 small businesses that use us all over the world. Someone is selling sticker online. Someone has wine tours. Someone sells gym membership. Someone has a meditation app. I mean, there are all kinds of people all over the world that are finding opportunities People are looking for their product, but they just don't know that. So we are just being that medium that helps connect with these people who are looking for a product or service and and, and connecting them with the businesses that offer
1: them. They say that in social media you reveal more about yourself than you you ever think possible. uh, Absolutely. And it seems to me that you're taking advantage of this uh and and providing uh what what frankly uh, um uh, you know we have small business digest and we look at things and i uh, until i read about you i had not heard of anybody being as clever as that so that's why you're on the program thank um, you well
0: um
1: how uh how does a, a small business uh, uh what's your pricing how does it work in pricing so so we have uh um a small
0: small business offering that is targeted towards the small medium business of the world. It starts off at $29 a month. So at less than dollar a day, uh, you can start getting leads for your business. So you don't have to talk to a uh, salesperson or anything. You just go in, um, just sign up. You get a seven-day free trial, no contract, no obligation. And if you like it, we charge you $29 a month and you just keep on getting unlimited leads uh, we track them for you. We let you know when someone noted, when a new lead came in. And that's what it is priced at. So starting at 29 it goes up to $99, depending on the number of topics that you are... or What I mean by topics is number of businesses that you want to track and get leads for. So it's very, very affordably priced.
1: How did you come up with this idea? So it's an
0: interesting story. Um, the company was founded by four... Friends, I mean, we founded this company. We had this idea about four years ago. We all of us are uh, computer science students. Uh, you can call us nerds. Uh, so what we were doing was uh, just for fun. A few years back, we were just playing with Twitter data and, and, and Facebook data and just mining it. We were just doing data mining on that for for fun. I mean, just to see some trends and patterns emerge. And. Um, what happened was, so we built a search engine on top of that, uh, on, on top of Twitter data, and we, we were just doing it on the weekends while we were working full-time somewhere else. But we quickly realized after a year or two of doing that, that it was, it was a cool project that people, some of the local people liked, but uh, it did not solve a real pain. I mean, It, it wasn't helping anyone <coughs> with anything. So that was one of the key things that we realized, it's not solving a real pain. And, and then we realized that, as you mentioned, that there is a ton of information that, con- that, that you can extract out of public profiles that people talk about. And it's not necessarily for, for evil purposes. It can be used for tremendous health purposes, as we have seen. So, so we decided that there is this whole group of people that are talking every single day about, about their needs and they're going unanswered like no one's engaging with them and we know there are businesses all everywhere in the world small small businesses or big businesses that care to talk about these people because they have the product service these guys are looking for so that's when we decided to to build on this uh, idea and 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 lead was formed
1: uh, about a year
0: ago we we quit our jobs and and just went all in on this one
1: Hello. Um, you came up with a very clever um, uh, approach to um, uh, getting a new venue. How did you come up with your idea?
4: Well, we, uh, like I said, we have our main office in Manhattan. So we were looking to expand to uh, a different borough, and we chose the Bronx. And we identified an area which was uh, a a hub of traffic uh, with trains and buses, and it's actually called the Hub in the Bronx. Uh, So once we identified the area, we started looking around for an office that would make sense for us to uh, to open up. So as we were exploring the area, we came across a laundromat, uh, and you know this this laundromat quite a bit larger than most of the other laundromats in New York that we've seen. It's probably 10,000 square feet, uh, maybe a little bit more. Uh, and in New York, that's a lot of space for a storefront. So we, uh, we found the owner and we started talking to him. And, and you know, the more we thought about it, uh, it made sense to uh, pair a laundromat with tax preparation services. Because, uh, you know, in New York, uh, not a lot of people have uh, washing machines in there. If they're living in an apartment, uh, they don't have washing machines. So they have to go to a laundromat. And anyone who's gone to a laundromat knows that you typically don't leave your laundry
0: while you're washing
4: it. You have to wait for it to wash, then you have to put it in the dryer, and then you have to wait. Uh, And that's that's what we consider dead time. Uh, You're not really doing anything. So uh, the idea of opening up a a small satellite office in a laundromat uh, made sense to us.
1: Uh, I I just thought it was so clever. Uh, The uh, the average American spends an hour and 43 minutes in a laundromat um, each week. Uh, That's a statistic I uh, picked up along the way. Uh, Yeah. But, let's go back to Steve for a moment who's been very patiently listening in on all of this uh steve you you had a product that you did for yourself, and if I heard correctly, what you're saying is you then said let's let's turn it into into a product we could sell. am I r- correct. right on that yes it is yes that
3: that is correct
1: and um how do you offer your service um, uh it's an all-in-one package, I gather. And is it in the cloud?
3: It is. It's all it's all cloud-based. It has very simple, um, simple pricing. It, it, it's ten dollars per per user per month. So, I figure the average small business may have somewhere between ten and fifty uh, employees. So, um, so it's very cost um, very cost Effective, uh, and when you consider the fact that it's going to help um, boost um, your um, the quality of your customer service and and help you to um, be able to close more deals, um, uh, I think it's a very good um, good uh, price
1: point. Okay, well, let's let's switch gears a little bit. What is the thing that uh, in the la- uh, in your your travel as a small business leader? What is the, the, the thing that you've mo- learned uh, most that you would pass on to our audience uh, from all of your experience? Um, well, I, I think the uh,
3: you know I think the biggest thing is that. Um, is to treat your your customers like gold. Um, that there's no room for error when it comes to that. Is that you have to treat each one like they're um, like almost like they're your only customer, uh, and that means going above and beyond. And I think that's something that, as a small business, you're able to do. Um, uh, much more effectively than a Fortune 1,000 company, where the relationship can be very, very impersonal. But um, as a small business, you have the opportunity to make that connection with your customer, to build your 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 relationship with them, um, and um, um, and as a small business, you're also much more flexible, more, more, uh, and more, um, more nimble. So, um, it it means you, you can respond quicker to customers and adapt to their needs faster.
1: Two cons. I'm going to ask you the same question. What, you, especially, well, you're in Canada, you're a small uh-huh. business. Uh, what have you learned um, that, that you would pass on to, to our listeners, most of whom are small business leaders?
0: So one of the things that I have learned, and tagging along to what was just said before, is, is you have to treat your customers like gold. Uh, so that's a great thing. And one thing that we have learned, we, we do it ourselves, is, is do things that don't scale early on, so what I, what I, when especially when it comes to customer support, is basically um, you, you, you would probably spend, you might end up spending 10 hours a month on a client that is paying you $29 a month, and you don't even know if that client's going to stay for the next month. But it's absolutely imperative for for small businesses to spend that extra time early on with these happy customers, because. Uh, if if you if you if you really help out these customers and solve their pain and 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 if you have even ten, um, it becomes so much easier with these customers because they, they they end up becoming an advocate for your business and they keep spreading the word because they got actual value out of it and you took the extra step of of caring for them personally, not worrying about the ROI on 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 spending time with them and uh, so that's, that's one of the things doing things that don't scale when it comes to customer service for small medium businesses I mean, once you grow, become a thousand person company yeah it becomes very difficult to pay that kind of individual attention but early on uh, there, there, there shouldn't be no excuse in spending time with these people uh, solving their problem, helping them out and you also get to learn a lot about your own product once, once you work with these people because they tell you what, what the market wants not what you think. So yeah, my advice would be uh, early on, do things that
1: don't scale. Uh, long before I ask you that question, I have to, how does someone go from Anchorage to Seattle to New York? Usually it's the other way around.
4: Yeah. <laughs> well, my parents uh, did it the other way around. They went from uh, New York to Anchorage. Uh, my dad is uh, an electrical engineer, and we moved up to Alaska. Because uh, he got a job working for the longest distance telephone communications, uh, the the biggest one up there. So that's how I ended up in Alaska. I went to school in Seattle, and then uh, I came back to uh, you know where my parents grew up in in New York.
1: Okay, so now um, you know uh, what I find fascinating is you 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 saw some. Uh, uh, um, a venue that I, I don't think uh, I don't think I've ever heard of anyone uh, doing. It's just a clever. But what have you learned from your experience with the with this?
4: Well, you know, like I said, I'm a I'm an attorney by trade, and uh, I, I've done quite a bit of real estate law. Um, so I've learned that a lot of the the skills I use as an attorney. Uh, came into play uh, in setting up this satellite office. Uh, You know, we had to come to an agreement with the owner of the laundromat uh, and to make it really cost-effective for him but not to, and to reduce our uh, cash outlay, our rent is actually... uh, is going to be based on a percentage of the income that we take in from our business. So that was one one clever way we used to reduce our initial cash outlay. Um, you know, staffing a, a satellite office is a little a little different. We had to make sure that we hired you know quality uh, people to work in the satellite office. We had to make sure we hired a, a quality manager. Uh, and those were all challenges uh, that we had to deal with since it's now, you know, remote and not, not on site.
1: Well, has it generated the business you hope?
4: It's starting out pretty well. Um, you know, the, the IRS isn't accepting any, um, any returns being filed yet. So, you know, we, we're, we're really not sure yet. But so far, yeah, we've gotten a lot of interest and we've gotten commitments from from, from uh, clients that they'd be back uh, along the lines that we expected. Uh, but, you know, the, the next month uh,
1: should be very telling. And, and uh, exactly where is your office located? I don't know how many people we have in the Bronx listening, but uh, yeah. uh, sure <laughs> well, uh, I myself, next time I go to Bronx, I'm going to go down and just look at your operation.
4: Yeah, just go take the, a look at, at like
1: look at it. It's at
4: 447 four Willis Avenue, and it's uh, between East 147th and East 146th Street in the Bronx. Like I said, it's around an area called The Hub. And uh, you know, to, to, to go along with the novelty of what we're doing, we've registered the domain www.sudsandtaxes.com.
1: So anyone who
4: goes there will be forwarded to a, a, a page we set up specifically to... Um, address our our kind of niche idea.
1: Okay. Um, we'll go back to uh, um, to Tukan. What is your website so people can uh, find it? Sure. It's
0: leadsift.com. L-e-a-d-s-i-f-t.com.
1: And Steve. Uh,
3: it's fanhub.com, so uh, F-A-N-H-U-B.com.
1: It's interesting. We've got the hub. Someone located at the hub, we've got Fanhub, And I think we have, um, uh, uh, I, w- I want to thank you t- three for being on the show today. I um, kind of threw you a little bit of a curve by having you all together, but I, uh, our listeners say they like this this way, and I, I hope you uh, enjoyed it as much. Absolutely,
4: I did. Yeah, Uh, Broadway Professional Services Inc. enjoyed it definitely. Thanks for having us on.
1: Thank you. We have one more guest on board. Thanks. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. We have one more guest on board. Am I right? Yep, still here. Welcome to the show. Are you there? Hey Don, this is Jay Jay Jensen. Don. Say it again. This is Jay Jensen, Don. Oh, Jay, you stayed on. Good. I
2: did. I thought you were referring to me. You might have been talking about somebody else.
1: Uh, uh, well, uh, I'm only looking at my board. but I'm. Uh, well, Jay, then you get to say the last word. Uh, any advice <laughs> to small, small business about, um, uh, about health care?
2: Definitely keep your options open. You know, uh, here's my big advice for everybody. The definition of insanity is keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. Small business with health insurance, you got to do something different. you got to figure it out. So there, there you go. I'll finish with that.
1: <laughs> well, the Chinese say, may you live in interesting times, and I think we are <laughs> in interesting times. Thank you for being with us, and thank you for staying with us. You bet. Enjoyed it. Have a a good day. Thank Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience and profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard today, tell others about our efforts. If you would like to be a guest or suggest topics for future hours, email me at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's info at smallbusinessdigest.net. We would also like to remind listeners that besides our radio efforts, Small Business Digest comes to you via the web, through our video channel, and in our magazine. You can subscribe for any or all of these by going to smallbusinessdigest.net. That's smallbusinessdigest.net. Thank you, and have a good day.